Welcome to the studio demands it an exercise in creative thinking where we will challenge ourselves to conceptualize, pitch, and craft a film based on the stipulations of a hypothetical Hollywood overlord. We talk movies all the time. In particular, we complain about the choices made in the films we've seen that exist because some soulless corporate hacks calling themselves screenwriters cobbled together some collection of boardroom mandated buzzwords and test audience approved action sequences and characters with more hubris than those shrills we know we could have done better, even with the demands and restrictions that clearly must have been put on those poor bastards writing the monstrosity we were given. It's a new intro. What do you think? Wow. That's <laughs> intense. We will be the screenwriters for this episode. I am TC DeWitt, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Jim. You're not Jim. You're David Geisler Brazelic. Hey, David. How's oh, it going? Oh, oh, that was a great middle name. I like that. I like that. <laughs> uh, so, a special episode. Uh, Jim's not joining me today. He's here in spirit, as he always is with me. I have not met Jim in person yet. I cannot wait. You, you, you know him you you feel like you know him, I'm sure, right? Because spent- I guess you know we were joking before recording that I'm a fan of Studio Demands It, yeah. and in in so many ways with Jim, I'm I'm kind of literally that because because he is just this voice you, on the show. You just know like, him, oh as- Jim. <laughs> <laughs> He's everything you would hope he would be, and more. I'm sure he is. Uh, but Jim's not joining me today for for this Studio Demand. We are we are joined by a very special guest, Dave Geyser. How you doing? I'm, I'm, I'm doing well. I, I'm just a touch nervous. It's interesting because I do enjoy your show so much, but I'm ex- very excited to be here. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to, Dave, David, what do you want the fans to call either's you? It's fine. What? Truly, truly either's fine. Julie. Okay. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't, I, people ask me that often. Do you want to be called Dave or David? Mm-hmm. And I guess people call me David, but if they're re- referring to me quickly, they say Dave. Dave. Yeah. But to the truth is if someone were to call my name, and I were to turn to them and say yes. And then they were to ask me, did I just call you Dave or David? I don't know if I would retain. I just responded to the the sound of your voice. Yeah, after DAV, I kind of check just like, out. Yeah, it's me. Let's go. The uh, well, this this is exciting. You are from you are the well, I'd like to say one of the founders, if not the 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 mastermind behind. We call you our our overlord. <laughs> I <always> think that's <laughs> funny. <laughs> of six five media, who who give a, who you've given us the platform for this show, which we are eternally grateful for. Well, I'm a great I'm grateful for the content. I'm, I'm grateful for that quality content. All right, thank you. <laughs> uh, but you in particular are from the. What very wonderful podcast for those video game nuts out there. Another Zelda podcast. Yes. So that, and that is also why we're together today. I, um, uh, a few episodes ago, you and Jim, um, were doing, you're doing your video game episode. Yes. The, and yeah. just for a hot second, you scraped past another, or, or, or you scraped past Zelda mm-hmm. as a possible idea. And I think you might've even mentioned something like, oh, be nice to, oh, if only we could talk to Dave or Kate from another Zelda podcast, because the podcast that I, uh, produce another Zelda podcast is a sibling podcast to yours mm-hmm. under the umbrella of this six, five media thing right. that in many ways, all of us are contributing to. And, um, I messaged you pretty much immediately and I said, please let's do that. This needs to happen now. Yeah. <laughs> I really want to do that. We've had a few people. I know for a fact that we've had certain people that listen to another Zelda podcast. Come check out your show. Thank you. That's awesome. I'm very, I'm very proud of that. I think I'm, I'm proud of studio demands it. I, 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 love I hope it. my new aggressive intro doesn't turn them off. Yeah. We, so I got, I got something back from the marketing team and actually they let us know that that's trending down. Oh, the studio demands less anger. Yeah, and it needs more Johnny Depp in it. <laughs> ah! <laughs> um, so anyway, yeah. So, so I begged you, I basically begged you and we, uh, 
if, if we could get together is what I said, I said, mm-hmm. Oh, please let's get together. I really want to have you on another Zelda podcast. And we recorded that episode uh, just a bit ago. Yep. And, and then I said, may I, may I, may I uh, join you and try to come up with a Zelda film? I didn't even have to finish asking the sentence before I gave you a yes, because I, we've, we've worked together in multiple capacities over many years. Like we've known each other for a couple decades, of decades at this yeah. point. Um, and, uh, so we, we already have a rapport and a history and similar tastes. And, uh, I, I know we've discussed film at length in, in many conversations before. So yeah. to get you on here to be part of this, this creative process, uh, and maybe, I, maybe I'll do a less of a breezing through the intro for, for new listeners who may have crossed over oh, sure. from, from another Zelda podcast, uh, to, to give a clear sense of what's, what we do here on this show is we uh, are given demands um, for a film to be made. Yeah. Uh, we kind of have two two different versions of the show. Not not necessarily two, two different versions, but uh, sometimes people come to us and say, hey, this movie exists. How would you have done it differently? Right. And other people come to us and say, this movie should exist. How would you do it? Right. And we're, we are given by our listeners who go over to studiodemandsit.com to supply us with our said demand for the episode. <laughs> they will give us certain stipulations. Um, the it's, more, it's always fun to see those things come yeah, in, isn't it? Oh my gosh. The, the, uh, the best example of a very clear restriction that was very realistic yeah. where it was like, okay, a studio would do this was our face-off episode. So we love that episode. We were, we were, thank you. We were demanded by our listener to, uh, I wish I could remember the listener's name. If I could do that, man, would I be a pro? Uh, the studio that was demand that demanded us, uh, we had to bring Travolta and cage back and, uh, Sean Connery had to be in it. Mm-hmm. What? I and, think it's because it was kind of like the rock is adjacent because of the Nicholas Cage connection. Guess, maybe that's what yeah, was going maybe, on. Maybe, but it was, it was, that was a wrench and we had to play to the Chinese market. Yeah. So those are very clear restrictions from a studio that realistically have are put on films all the time. Right. And so we, we had to craft on the spot, a face off too. And that's the key Oof. right there is on the spot. Yeah. We don't do, we do our best not to think about any preconceived ideas and come up with, with our pitch, our, our concepts on the spot. Uh, so that's the best part. My favorite thing yeah. about this show, especially when you even pitched the idea of the podcast to me that you and Jim had kind of crafted maybe only weeks before, mm-hmm. um, it was that I feel that this show, it's fun to come up with cool, fun ideas. And there's many episodes that when they're done, I'm like, Oh, I'd watch that movie. Oh, that's exactly how uh, the dark universe should work or yes. something like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's a lot of fun, but at the same time on a larger, from a, a maybe a bit from a larger perspective, really this show is a celebration of screenwriting. And I just think that it's really, it's a celebration of the process. Yes. And by having some of these really, I dare I say like ridiculous <laughs> demands come from the listeners, it really, um, cranks up that, that, that process of, of trying to make it all work. Yeah. The, I, that is the most fun of this. Uh, Jim and I didn't do this all the time anyway, where we will like, well, how do we make this movie? We, we make movies professionally. We are, I'm a professional screenwriter. We, we've written, Jim and I both have written and directed features. We're, yeah. we're in the biz and I work for clients all the time. So it's not, it's not out of the realm of, uh, of possibility that I would get a crazy demand from a client saying, 
can you, and I get it all the time. I were a client was like, Oh, I like this part of the screenplay, but you need to do X, Y, and Z. And I'm always like, <laughs> how do I maintain my, my artistic integrity while giving them what they want? Okay. Right. right. Uh, so yeah, it is a, it is a bit of how does the sausage make as I, as I have referenced Indeed. earlier. Um, and so here we are now um, for this episode, which we, Jim and I, again, we typically don't know what the episode will be about until we start. Right. And we, Jim and I have often joked in the past that it was like, all right, so what are we doing today? And we've realized, I can't remember where we realized the audience always knows before we do. Oh, because it's in the title. Because it's the title of the episode. Yes, of course, of course. So, um, and I, I, you know, when these, when the, <laughs> when the listeners bring in their suggestions, mm-hmm. you know, this is a little weird TC. Let's talk uh, behind the curtain for just a second. Sure, sure. Inside I have baseball. this, like, I have this like auto forward thing set up that whenever that form gets filled out, yeah. it is supposed to kick it over to your email. And for some reason it doesn't. It doesn't. I don't know if I should I don't check know my why. spam filter or something. Yeah, but. May, well, maybe, I don't know, but it does show up also on the six, five, uh, feed of emails. So every time I get one, I, mm-hmm. I send one over to you mm-hmm. and I know for a fact that you you look at it just enough to kind of like know that it exists, but you try not yeah. to read it. And I know that that's true because I've heard even like in the Facebook face off one, or maybe it was another episode. The second half of the demand is, is a surprise, it. right? Yeah. yeah. Like, wait, there's more here. At most you might see the film request or something. Right. I know, yeah. I know that you guys actually do do it pretty spontaneously. We, uh, we will occasionally like we did haunted mansion. That mm-hmm. was a, a very fun episode. I was aware of haunted mansion. I knew Eddie Murphy starred in it, but I had never seen it. Uh, right. So it's behooved us to actually watch the movie. I think you guys before. made the right choice with that, if I may. I, like well, to, to I kind of have that be part of the narrative of the episode that you also watched it. Yeah. And, and it, it, Jim had never seen Face Off. So we watched mm-hmm. that together, which was very fun because yes. I hadn't seen the movie since early 2000s. And it was not, it was a great experience for how terrible that movie actually is. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like Face Off now through the, through the lens of almost 2020, yeah. it's a, it's, it's a completely different film. And I would even argue through the lens of post 2010, <laughs> it is maybe not a very good film. Uh, but all that being said, we don't uh, give a lot of preparation. No. Now, we were aware of what today's episode was going to be about. Right. Which is we, the studio mm-hmm. being 6.5 Media has come to us to demand. 6.5 <laughs> Media would never request this. <laughs> Full disclosure. 6.5 Media would never request something so horrible. We we have been demanded by a hypothetical studio to craft a Legend of Zelda feature film. Oh, Okay. That is the correct response. Now, oddly enough, we have had this request pop up by more, than, more people. It oh, yeah. wasn't just... Hey, let's do a crossover. Let's do a Zelda. It came up in the video game episode. Indeed, yeah. Um, it ca- it actually came up in the comment section uh, with a, a couple posts that I did. Oh yeah, uh, I did see that. Yeah, someone actually uh, prolifically guessed what this episode was going to be about without knowing it, saying like, <laughs> "Hey, I don't want you to do X, Y, and Z. I want you to do a Zelda movie." I'm like, "Well, sit tight because here it comes." Yeah, and to say that it was organic it was true. It was you guys talking about it, and I kind of said, "Well, I I really want to." I mean, anytime I get to do something with you, I get excited. So yeah, I, I agree. And I, of course I, we, I live in the Midwest. You live over in, in, on, on the West coast. West coast yeah, and yeah. so sometimes we don't see each other in person. And for me personally, it's so special to have an episode like this, especially if you're pitching mm-hmm. to be in the same room. Oh, certainly. I wouldn't yeah. want to like just Skype in or. or yeah. Whatever. I've, I've, we both have had a decade plus of podcasting. Yeah. And I believe, have you done mobile as well as live? I've done it both ways. Yeah. And I have as well. And sometimes mobile works. Like I did an entire, the entire Disney podcast series was Jeff and I online. Mm -hmm. We did like four episodes face to face. Uh, 
Ben and I did the rewatchment for 200 episodes. Right. Ben and I did it in the same room every time. And that definitely worked for us. Jim and I, we do it uh, in the same room together. And there is a, a complete dynamic shift right. when you're this close to people um, reading each other's body language and the big and thing is, the energy. I mean, I live in Chicago and Kate, my co-host of another Zelda podcast lives in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Every time we record, I drive two hours <laughs> to record an hour episode and then two hours back because I feel it's that it's, worth it. It's worth it. Um, you know? There's, and to go from the, the creative process of screenwriting, uh, I've written screenplays with people through email. I have written screenplays right. through, through video conversations and I've written with people in the room yeah. and the most fun, the the best experiences are always those collaborative processes uh, in the room together. I do want to say too, that I uh, am not a screenwriter. Nope. And so, I mean, you, you certainly are. We've had many projects together where um, I've, we've been able to work together and we might discuss some narrative notes and things like that, mm-hmm. but I've officially never written a screenplay and you've written like hundreds but I still, uh, I'm excited to be a part of this. Oh, it's, a, I, I, I will always say to that point of like, everyone's a storyteller. Everyone, how was your day? Mm. You're going to tell me a story. Right. And, uh, everyone, uh, uh, in the occasions I've had to speak to people about the process of writing, I will say, Hey, everyone's got ideas. They're probably similar to other people's ideas. Don't worry about that. You know, the story of the three little pigs. So do I, yeah. I bet we tell it differently. Yeah. Indeed. And, uh, so I don't, don't, don't feel any intimidation whatsoever about uh, trying to craft a film here. Now. I mean, it's the screenwriting specifically that I'm just a touch nervous about, but mm-hmm. I guess it's okay if we're, if we're pitching, I mean, cause I've, I've edited and shot and directed and all like yeah, those things you're, as well. You're, we you're all, a storyteller. we all went to work. film school, but, yeah. but uh, the actual, sometimes you and Jim will say like, Oh, okay, we've got the heavy, we've got the whatever. And sometimes yeah. I'm like, Oh yeah, that's right. Those are archetypes that yeah. are necessary. That's the, <laughs> the, the, that's, that is part of the fun of the podcast is um, the, though Jim and I tend to be very parallel in our thinking, we approach storytelling from slightly different angles. Uh, I, I don't know oh, if that's come across I through. Suppose I have observed through, that, yeah. through, uh, through our pitch processes of the studio demands. We each, we will, individually fixed fixate on certain elements or or parts of the storytelling and uh and oftentimes that that collaborative that collaboration really works right um i i've had a lot of phone disagreeing with jim and i'm sure he could say the same to me where it's like it took me an hour and a half to convince him that the monster squad was the way to go for the dark universe. And I like that he's brave enough to be like, I'm not totally on board, but I'm listening. Let's figure it out. Uh, He, what is it? There was another one where he was like, that was great, but that's not what the studio asked. And I've done that to him too, too, where it's like, we did an episode, uh, which is the uh, princess bride episode, which will be comes out. I think, I think I think it came out yes. just before okay. this. So the, the episode just before this, but it is in the can right now. So we to speak. we took uh, a, a couple swings at it, and I hit. And at one point, Jim was like, "Oh, and this, and this, and this." And I'm like, "Great, great, great! You literally just described Force Awakens and Last Jedi." <laughs> and he's, "God damn it!" <laughs> I think um, you know uh, uh, my 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 favorite experience in listening to this show is when it's it's fun when you can tell where a Jim might be making a narrative choice based on an emotion. He simply wants to see a thing happen. You know, right. a 12 year old Jim wants to see something happen. The 12 yeah. year old TC wants to see something happen. Yeah. And what's really cool about the process of the two of you working together as I listen to these episodes is that you'll kind of check each other before they wreck themselves or whatever yeah. a little bit. So you might be really passionate about a certain idea and Jim is able to maybe pull you out of 
what 12 year old TC wants to see and you can look mm-hmm. at it a little bit bigger, but sometimes you also indulge into that mm-hmm. and use it as fuel. And it's not just one person or the other. I've experienced listens in this show where sometimes I'm like, Oh wow, Jim's really going deep on that. I don't, <laughs> maybe that's the right choice. Maybe it's not, but he's going deep and then you'll pull him around or, mm-hmm. or it'll be like, wow, TC is really committed to this. And then Jim <laughs> will pull you around. And that's the whole point. That is the process of, of I think screenwriting, but certainly collaboration yeah. in any kind of art form. It's, it, it's so much fun to, to just brainstorm these ideas and, and put our cinematic, uh, skills to the test, yeah. our storytelling <laughs> skills to the test. Pardon and, and, and that's where we, where do we land today right here now as we, our demand for today, as the as you can see titled by this episode, and as we have already discussed, is a Legend of Zelda feature film. Yeah, and let's let's have it be. Well, we didn't discuss this before. Sure. But let's have it be that simple. That simple. Okay. There's no like a link has to be in it, or or and, you know, let's just say like a studio says, "Hey, we like that." You know, Breath of the Wild yeah. was doing Game of the Year. We want a Zelda movie that we don't know much about it. We want a Zelda movie. We're, we're starting there. Yeah. That is that is uh, that is the information that has been given to us, which. Uh, which is great. That's a good starting point. And it's also a very kind starting point for a, for a studio to just say, give us a Zelda show, go. Right. Well, and I think, well, in, in some ways, I think that this one might be difficult because it's so vague. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we could have had fun saying like, and so-and-so needs to be in it or this or that, but that's not what we got organically. Well, well, that's, uh, and that's, that's, I, I, f- there's going to be a difficulty here because being given free range to yeah. just say, make a Zelda show. Right. Or a movie. movie yeah. uh, the Then what comes into consideration is what do the fans want? I agree. This is this. So you already made the noise at the mere thought of a Zelda movie. And I will, I will echo that noise as fun as it might be to think about the existence of Zelda on the big screen, mm-hmm. a Lord of the Rings size budget and film. Right. Why not? Zelda is one of the most iconic video game characters of all time. I, I, I definitely uh, would love to pitch, uh, plug our own episode of uh, of another Zelda podcast that I yes. guested on on with you. And our we're dis- taking we're taking full advantage of this afternoon together. Yes. And we recorded <laughs> co guest episodes on each other's show, and it, it's been a pleasure. <laughs> uh, absolutely, um, but we went into great discussion about Link as a character and and what he represents and what mm-hmm. the fans are willing to accept and what fans haven't been willing to accept because the closest we've gotten to a, not a video game version of link is the animated series from the eighties. Yeah, I guess you're right. That is much, is very much derided. It's, it's very well done animation. Yeah. It's for its time. It's hand-drawn. It's, uh, it's not lazy Hanna-Barbera style animation. It's got, and it's, it's canonically fairly accurate yes. to that original Zelda game. They aren't making up extra bad guys or anything. They actually kind of stick to what's in the canon. But Link is so poorly voice acted that it's, <laughs> it's a joke that the, well, excuse me, princess, <laughs> which I should have just played the clip. Do you have it? Up? <laughs> it's okay. I is, can, uh, I can vamp. Is, um, the, the excuse me princess version of, of it's like, that's it, it, We do not discuss the animated link. If you're, if you're a real fan of Zelda. So we're, um, Kate and I are planning on doing an episode in season three of another Zelda podcast, wherein we will discuss this television series. Yeah. Go for it. Whoa, whoa, that's right. That's an ad. Good. Oh, okay. <laughs> Cover it up. <laughs> okay. We're getting it. Yeah. And anyway, in, oh, here we go. Princess. I can explain. Princess. Now that is oh, so. Again, princess. Not I, bad, is this a supercut? 
I, I, the clip I played on your show is from a different episode because excuse me, princess was his catchphrase. Yes, he had to say it every episode. Unbelievable. He had to say it every episode. I'm sure that was a quote unquote studio demand of some kind. Give him a cool catchphrase. We need a cool catchphrase. And it was probably, we need a cool voice. And I'm sure that's very much a product of the late eighties. Um, but, but I will probably circle back around to that show as we find ourselves in probably numerous dead ends. I'm suspecting. Maybe (laughs) we'll see. Um, We'll come back around as to what does and doesn't work about that show. But I do want to say um, <clears throat> the reason I think there should not be a Zelda film mm-hmm. is, is that every it may not be for the reason everyone's expecting. Yes, Link doesn't talk. That was kind of the topic of our episode on our Certainly, Zelda podcast. Yeah. I, we, it's an episode called A Silent Protagonist. And, and I had you on as a guest and we discussed why Link doesn't talk. Um, the importance of that or the, or, or the, the struggles. Mm-hmm. And um, that's what we spoke about now, obviously, well, maybe not, obviously, maybe we'll go into weirdo town here and link won't talk in the film. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. So th- I'm coming into this episode with, with only one thought so far. I don't think a Zelda movie should exist. Right. That's what I've thought of so far, but I have kind of, I have one follow-up thought to that. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it's just as to why I'm not trying to just be a person being like, Oh, I don't want it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the reason a Zelda film wouldn't work or shouldn't happen is because every Zelda game is its own story. Mm-hmm. Now they exist in a larger universe where they reference each other, but many times there's literally hundreds of years in between each game. And they do that on purpose. So it's not like direct sequels, right? You know, it's a little bit, you know, final fantasy will do the thing where each game is almost a different universe. Mm -hmm. That's not the case for Zelda. It's all in the same universe. There's justifications as to major changes like floods or flying or whatever. Right. But, um, there is, there are only a couple narrative threads that go through the entire Zelda timeline, which in itself is a whole discussion, but there's the master sword is the same sword all the way through the, mm-hmm. every game. And technically the spirit of the bad guy, Ganon, we spoke about this a little bit in the yes, Zelda episode. Yeah, yeah. He's kind of the same entity. He manifests in different ways, but he's kind of the same entity mm-hmm. in all the other Zelda games. It's a new princess Zelda in a new link. Um, they're, they're a completely new carbon based you know, creatures. Right. And we just kind of allow them to be called Link and Zelda, but they could be called anything. In Wind Waker, Zelda is called Tetra until she learns that she's Zelda and mm-hmm. then they start calling her Princess Zelda. So there's those technicalities. So and if you I can may, name Link, like Link is, is just the default name. Oh, in the game, you're yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, you can put your name in. Yeah, yeah. You're right. So the, the, what I'm trying to say here is if you made a Zelda movie, it would just be like if you made it like a Zelda game, it would be, you either have to retell one of the games. Right. Or you're just doing a new story. Right. And no one cares. There, and there's a couple ways to approach that from, so we we are being told by the studio to make a Zelda movie, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're giving us no further stipulations beyond that. That's it. It's now our responsibility to craft a film that, that, that is honoring this, this franchise and the fans. Yep. And there's a couple ways to go about this. So, the the first movie that springs to mind in this conversation is Final Fantasy Spirits Within. Right. Final Fantasy as as a franchise of games has traditionally been fantasy with magic and wizards. And yes, there are flying pirate ships and gun blades, but it still comes down to sword fights and magic. Yeah. And a lot where, of that tech stuff didn't come into like Final Fantasy VI, but anyway. Right. And even the tech stuff still has an element of of uh, a steampunk quality to it where it's still magic and sci-fi. Yeah, you're right. Right. Spirits Within, the Final Fantasy movie is a sci-fi movie. Right. That's it. And it's- If you did not put Final Fantasy on that name, you would never in a million years 
guess that it's a Final Fantasy yeah. movie. There, there's nothing. I don't think there's even like Easter eggs with like the little yellow birds or anything. No, there's, there's no nothing. chocobos. Like there is a character named Sid. That's it. Sid's the only character name that exists through all oh, the Final right. Fantasy. Yeah, you're right. Um, so it's it was I feel a, a very strange choice by SquareSoft to do that. Yeah, um, SquareSoft. it felt like they were just trying to do like a tech demo for a render engine. Honestly, yeah, is what it felt like, and they're like, yeah. "Oh, let's make it a movie." Um, the now now this is going to seem like an odd comparison, but okay. I'm going to use Richard Donner's Christopher Reeve starring Superman one or two, the first one. Okay, in an example of how the heck do you take this vast can, can, canon of Zelda and, and make a single film out of it. When, uh, the, when Richard Donner and Mario Puzo created the script for Superman, 1977, 1978, um, they stripped down Superman at that point in the comics, he could shoot a little Superman out of his hands. Yeah, you're right. He could, he could, he He was all over the place. Every power he could possibly think of the writers just gave him. You know what? Yeah. Just, just, I'm not an expert on Superman, but I understand that in the beginning, he kind of was like a normal guy that could jump over buildings, Mm -hmm. leap it small, you know, and then eventually they're like, oh, he can jump so high he can fly. And then it just went nutso. More power, more power, more power. It's the Silver Age Superman for those uh, comic book fans in the know of the the eras. And so when Donner sat down, okay, we're going to do a Superman film. Let's strip it down to the essentials Mm -hmm. that make Superman Superman. Mm -hmm. And they expertly crafted a Superman film that to this day is the, is the best Superman incarnation we've seen on the big screen. I think so. Um, uh, we, we can have a whole episode arguing about that. If we want, listen to me bitch about Zack Snyder on uh, the Batman V Superman episode. Yeah, the only, I've seen all of them, but I didn't watch Batman versus Superman. I did not, I'm not, I was not a <laughs> subscriber to the DCEU very yeah. much, to be honest. It's a uh, how, and, and that's, that is a, a, a great point to talk about the Snyder verse versus what Richard Donner did and the variations of Superman we've got. Mm-hmm. How much can you strip away from an iconic character oh. until they no longer resemble until they're who they murdering should. people and they're yeah, not supposed to. Exactly. Like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is, is Batman not killing people essential to Batman? Yes. Right. Oh, but Batman's always killed. Shut up. He used a gun in his original. Shut up. I know. I know. (laughs) So the question would be from a starting point is someone coming to me and saying, okay, so studios come to me and said, Hey, screenwriter, the studio is demanding a Zelda. I I know Zelda in that. I love Ocarina of time. Uh I I know the, uh, I love Majora's mask. I'm aware of the character. I have a good knowledge of, of him. You even have a general knowledge of the timeline, if I may. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, And it's, but I'm not a super fan. So what I would do would be, well, if I'm going to write this, I want to team up with someone who has a, a, a more, a deeper understanding of, of, of details of the series that I don't. Right. So like the fact that Ganon is the villain to me, but no, you're saying Ganon's the, is the embodiment of demise. demise. Yeah. I right. didn't know that. Yeah. So that, that is an element that I would, as a, I would, I would be doing a disservice oh, yeah. to this. You, you could accidentally make Ganon be an alien, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. And then yeah. the fans would be like, this guy didn't know what he was doing. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Sure. So I, 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 that is our starting point. Okay. What makes the Legend of Zelda the Legend of Zelda? Well, let's let me get let me polarize it right off the bat here. Then, as you were ta- saying this, I was thinking about it, and I thought, okay, because it was when you were talking about spirits within. I was thinking to myself, what if they wouldn't have made spirits within? What if they would have just retold Final Fantasy VII? 
Okay. And, and, and one would say like, dude, just make Ocarina of Time into a film. That's right. the, that's the best Zelda story. Or that's the most, yeah, that's the, even if it's best or whatever, it's the most, it's the staple. Mm-hmm. There are some other ones that are, are loved. Um, and you just tell Ocarina of Time. And there's, there is a perfectly legitimate, uh, argument for that. Ocarina of Time is still pretty linear. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be. terribly difficult to to take Ocarina of Time just adapt it but there would need to be some concessions made the um the uh (laughs) I got distracted (laughs) I'm sorry I'm sorry Um, I did it to you there there would be we can chop um nah it's fine I'll leave it I was (laughs) making motions to the peanut gallery I'm so sorry audience (laughs) totally threw me off I'm I'm so focused here what was I even talking about (laughs) well okay well we were we're starting over hello Welcome to the studio demands it. I have to- <laughs> well, I suddenly got nervous that one of our pieces of production equipment wasn't working. Okay. And so I um, wanted to check that. Thank you so much. I apologize. We were, we were on the topic of, um, what if we let's wait, let's do it. Yeah. I don't think this is going to be our final choice, but what if we just retell Ocarina of, Ocarina time? of time? So that's, that is the, we say, okay, we're going to, sure, we're, we're just not going to spirits Ocarina. within it. Mm-hmm. We're not going to create, or uh, we're not even, you know, like even a uh, galaxy's edge, the theme park at Disney world, that still fits into the Canon. There's right. still a story. So, so, so to speak, to be told with uh, that experience at the theme park, Yes, we could create an experience, be it a film or something that fits canonically in somewhere. Mm-hmm. That's fine. But right now, what, what if we just retell Ocarina full disclosure? I don't actually think this is a good idea. <laughs> we have to commit to it. Like it is but like, what idea. if, yeah, we have yeah. to, yeah. Well, the, the story of Ocarina of Time, it's great. It is, it's a cool time travel story. It's got a, a pretty linear narrative to it. Um, that could be adapted. Um, it's, y- it's link would have to talk. Yes. Well, we'll get to that. We'll, we will, we will get to that point right. as a, as a different topic of conversation uh, right now, thinking just from a plot structure, where do you go? Yeah, you could, I, th- I, my my gut tells me that Ocarina of Time is the is the most is the it's a linear story. It's beginning, middle, end. It's concise. You can whereas original Zelda, um, yeah, Link to the Past. Some of them. Oh, no, go go go. I are, just got an idea. I'm going to save it for okay. ten minutes. The the idea of those earlier games is there's not much story other than go to dungeon, fight bad guy, get Triforce, right. go to the next piece. It's almost like how would you ever make a Breath of the Wild yeah. film? Because it's so open can't. world, you yeah. can't, right? There's, you know, there's fan cuts of all the cutscenes out there, Certainly. and there is a maybe a narrative or a film to be told there, but that's all flashback. That's yeah. all linear narrative. And I, and I wonder if Ocarina of Time is so much uh, to use a word I used a lot in our episode before, yeah. a beloved story, right? In that it is the most cinematic of the stories of the games. Well, I can't help but think about how there are a tremendous amount of. Not maybe not fan fiction, but like fan films yes. on uh, YouTube. Hero of Time is a great fan film. It's like an hour and a half long, and what? it's very close to Ocarina of Time. Okay, so yeah, you'll often see people do reenactments of certain parts of Ocarina or mm-hmm. interpretations, and for the most part, fans kind of seem to love it. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. maybe because it's small bites, it's a vignette, it's it's adjacent to the actual experience. It's not saying it's canon. It's just a re it's a filtering or a retelling of a certain area or an expansion of that area. But also to that point, there's a lot of, there's an entire community out there that loves to do like high res 
a rebuild. Oh my of gosh, they use the Unreal Engine. That you've probably seen some yes. of these out there. Yeah, there's I'd a, play this. <laughs> there's an entire crew that's basically remaking. Uh, well, there's a few of them actually that are remaking 64 or parts of 64 in the Unreal Engine. Mm-hmm. There's a guy out there who's um, who I follow on YouTube though I can't remember his name right now who's doing something really interesting and he's just putting high res textures on it and it's looking marvelous mm-hmm. and people like this. So what what people had a really difficult time with what I'll call Lion King HD, mm-hmm. which was this, <laughs> this shot for yeah. shot remake of Lion King, which yeah. I have not seen. It made a billion dollars. So we're right. wrong just for the, just, well, I don't know if we are wrong. I think, I think it was like, a, I think it was a trick. I, I think Disney tricked people into seeing it. And, and I, I don't think it's going to stand yeah. the test of time, but I also don't want to be a hater on that. Well, we'll see. Well, I, my, my complaint in that, cause I see where you're going here. Yeah. If you just adapt it, but make an HD version of it, right. what's the, well, why not just play the game? A little which, bit. Which is how I feel about pretty much all video game movies. Video games are video games for a reason. They are the experience. Yeah. Turning that into a two-hour movie defeats the purpose of what the game intended to do. Uh, maybe you could go miniseries and, and do something on streaming. but Well, you could. May, okay. Well, okay. That, you could have a, I, I have like three thoughts in my head, but you could, if you'd had it as a series and then we'll get off it. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe just the one thing about Zelda games is that they're a little bit, you could say that they're episodic if you break them up dungeon by dungeon. Certainly. The thing yeah. that leads up to the dungeon and doing the dungeon. Oftentimes when you're done with a dungeon, there's an emotional, oh, oh I did it. And then you kind of go on to the next Ooh. thing. There, maybe you could almost call them <laughs> chapters, right? <laughs> you could maybe have an episode be each one. But then again, um, the the parts of Zelda games that are the most, not open worldy, but where the player has the most agency and might play out of order are the dungeons. Yeah. And you, you said something to me a few weeks ago and I'd, I'd invite you to repeat the quote. It was about, maybe it was Ron Howard or someone talk, talking about why they would never direct a video game movie. Do you know what I'm referencing oh, no, right I remember now? That. Yeah. Well, okay. So I'm paraphrasing and I can't even put the quote somewhere. It's almost just in the ether at this point. Mm-hmm. But um, there was a couple of filmmakers out there that were approached maybe of the ilk of Spielberg and Howard and those, that yeah. generation of filmmakers, they were approached to possibly make video game movies. And they said, I'll never make, I'm saying they on purpose. Mm-hmm. They said, I'll, I would never, I'm not interested in making a video game movie because in a video game, the, the, the viewer or the player is choosing if the character goes left or right, or goes in a door right. or doesn't. Right. And that, and we've already kind of spoke about this a little bit, but that, that, that character becomes an avatar and the person playing really becomes the character. Mm. And so if link says, excuse me, princess, you, it's easy to say, well, that's not my link. Right. That, and that there lies a, a huge factor in, in adapting, adapting anything is right. putting a voice to it. And again, we discussed it on, on uh, another Zelda podcast of, of giving a voice to these characters, you are risking a lot. And furthermore, a temperament or yep. a, just a tone. You know uh, what I mean? And that's, that, that is where video game movies in, in general fall incredibly short yeah. in that uh, oftentimes they aren't made by people who properly appreciate the source material uh, or they're trying to appeal to a larger audience and completely missing their targets. I just got two ideas. Well, I'm going to okay. say it for five minutes. Uh, well, you still have the one from 10 minutes yeah, ago. That's why I said five <laughs> for now. Um, so uh, adapting and giving Link a voice, making choices on what the narrative is going to be, it's going to be under the scrutiny of the fans of the video game series. And so that's why I say, let's strip it down to its simplest form. Okay. So as more of a layman than you, I'd say, 
uh, Link. Well, you got to get Zelda with the green hat in there. Oh yeah, yeah. So you got the, you got that Zelda the, yeah. in the green the, with the blonde. I think hair. he's like he, I think he's like an elf. Yeah, I think he's an elf. <laughs> he's got the pointy ears. Anything. You have Princess Zelda. You have Ganon the villain, and you have Link the hero. Yeah. Uh, Link. Uh, Princess is in is in danger from Ganon, and Link has to save her. One consistency is that even though Link and Zelda might be new, as I said, like corporal beings or whatever, mm-hmm. um, they're the roles that they fulfill, mm-hmm. um, the Triforce of Courage, Wisdom, and Power, that, that narrative is always executed the same. And I think there, because yeah. oddly enough, the discussion of the Triforce never even came up in our previous discussion. The Triforce- Oh my gosh, has, you're right. That's right. When and, you were on my show. Yeah. Yeah, right. Uh, I may have filed that away for this. <laughs> Listen <laughs> to you. Well, I'm happy to talk about it here. <laughs> the the Triforce in itself, that's where I would start writing the story from. I would I would approach what is the purpose of the Triforce for this story? What needs to be achieved by collecting these? Like okay. the the power, uh, what is it? It's uh, What are the three sides of it? Uh, it's wisdom, power, and courage. Right. And, and Link is courage, Zelda's, Zelda's wisdom, wisdom, and Ganon's yeah. power. And that is where the story should start is okay. to figure out the importance of the Triforce. That's kind of where Ocarina starts with yep. three goddesses. Yep. That And and uh, that, I feel, is your MacGuffin, if, to use the cinematic term of like what launches the adventure. Mm-hmm. And it's- So the, we need three mystery boxes. I'm joking. Well, well, I mean, yes, if you want to go the J.J. Abrams I'm approach. And, I don't <laughs> hate the mystery box as much as others, <laughs> as, but I get yeah, it. Some, some people really hate that, but it's a great method. It could be a crutch. Yeah. It, it, it was a crutch once or twice in episode seven. Yes. <laughs> Anyways, we'll keep going. The Using the Triforce as, the, as like, that's what needs to be focused on for un, unraveling this plot and then sticking these three important characters into it mm-hmm. and then going from there. That's, that is stripping- the entire canon of Zelda down to its barest of bones from my perspective. Yep. Now, uh, we can we can keep going off that, but you I'll said you going. had a couple thoughts. All right. Well, all right. So if we're tasked with. Not if. We are tasked. Yeah, but I mean, if we've decided to retell one of the existing games and we've mm-hmm. chosen Ocarina. If we have to tell that story, I think mm-hmm. stripping it down is the right way to go. What you do is. This is not one of my other two thoughts. I'm, I'm hanging on to those. I'm very excited to talk about them. One, I'm like almost ready to pee my pants. I'm so excited to talk about it. But um, uh, if we're doing Ocarina, then, okay, okay, this is how you do it different. If, okay, if you are going to essentially make, if you're going to retell the cutscenes of Ocarina and reinterpret all the action points as essentially cutscenes mm-hmm. and, and, and show them as scenes, if we're going to retell Ocarina and we try to make it as, as the same as possible, then, then audience members will accidentally hyper-focus on Link's voice or hyper-focus on was the Ocarina shaped correctly right, or right. that. Yeah. And I, I don't want to design, I don't want to design by committee by reacting to the audience, but you do need to think about how your art's going to be sure, uh, I, taken I, in. Take the cynicism of that and think of it from, we really want to honor, we want the fans. of. The, we don't care if this movie doesn't make a billion dollars, the studio does. What yeah. I care about is that the fans go, they got it right. And so think I, of it from that side. And so what I'm saying by they got it right, it may not necessarily be that it's logistically right. Um, oh, they they perfectly retold that moment where Ruto uh, is hitting on Link when they're kids. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. And she's swimming. Oh, they got the shot just the same as when she was swimming. That's the Lion King HD remake thing yes, that I'm joking it, about. It, like, yeah. We don't necessarily need the exact same shot. I will admit when the Lion King trailer came out and I saw some of those shots repeated, I was like, bravo, oh, bravo. Well my done. My nostalgia is but peaked. We probably only needed five of those shots. You know what I mean? Maybe mm-hmm. some establishing shots that look the same. They could have just used the script from the Broadway stage show and put in all those songs and it would have been a much better movie just saying. 
I 100% agree. Are you kidding me? Shadowlands? I know. Not, we have Beyonce. They Let her sing a song. They didn't do Shadowlands. Are Why? You, right? Oh, God, so beautiful. A, oh, yeah. I know. What were we talking about? I know. So um, so maybe <laughs> what you do is, okay, if we're going to, if so, so if you strip it down to power, maybe you have to tell it a different way. Um, in other words, we're not necessarily... Okay, I think I just segued into my five minute ago idea. Okay, good. Is this the Peter Pants one? <laughs> no, no, okay. that one. You're saving that I one. I can't wait. Okay. That might be after a break. I have break a cup even. over here. <laughs> this my my ten minutes ago idea will change our paradigm in this episode. Okay, well let's get this point out. Yes. And, and then see what happens. I'm not overselling it. I promise. <laughs> it blew my mind inside when I thought about it. Um, um, what if we tell Ocarina? From a different perspective, hmm. we don't. We can't tell it as Link. Mm-hmm. So in in our as another Zelda podcast episode, we spoke about how it's okay for Zelda have a story. Zelda to have a storyline. It's okay for Ganon to have a storyline. It's not necessarily. It's not not to say that it's not okay for Link to have a storyline, but he can't have a storyline because his storyline is the storyline that the player, I guess, creates. Right. right. And um, um, so we don't have a story to tell with Link. What if we follow Zelda? And okay. we follow her through Sheik. Ah, so, okay. So we essentially tell the other story of Ocarina of Time. We're not telling Link's adventure as you played it through the game. Back to the Future to it a little bit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That is a, that is a, you know, and you got to a point that, and let's, let's discuss this and then we should take a quick break. No problem. But the, there are certain, I stripped down Zelda mm-hmm. to its, to the Legend of Zelda to its simplest of forms. Right. There is something not all that interesting about hero saves princess kidnapped by villain. Right. When you look at, at Zelda as a, a much fuller character that she has become over the 20, uh, 30 years of, of her existence. We had an entire episode about it. Yeah. She, oh, and there the you growth, go. The growth, the growth. Yeah. It's all the, good. the, the, uh, the, and plug that, go, go, go listen to Don't Dave and Kate it. talk about, uh, Zelda as a character. You come up with a very fair point from a narrative structure, a narrative point to say, let's tell this story. It's the legend of Zelda. Let's get people right. Those people who think let's 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 those people who it actually think, is Zelda. Yeah, the, those people who think the dude in green is Zelda. Let's let's educate them. We're going to do the legend of Zelda. We're going to tell it. She's the title character. She's not the prize to be won. She is the protagonist, main character of the story. And Link is the. Oh my God! It's Evie and Rick O'Connell from Mummy. To go to Jim's, uh, one of his favorite movies. Yeah, Evie's the protagonist is the main character right. and protagonist of the Mummy. She's the one who goes through the growth. Yeah. She's the, has the arc. Rick is he doesn't change. He he is he's the kind same. of an avatar. Like he's, if that were a video game, you'd be playing as him. Exactly, but she's the one who has the story. So to tell the Legend of Zelda from Zelda's perspective is a that's if that's not your pee your pants idea, I'm excited to hear it's what not, that one is. Yeah, that one is, that is going to be great. I I want to I want to speak to the Zelda thing a little bit too. One concern is we have to make sure that it doesn't present as um <clears throat> like a spin-off story mm-hmm. oh you can finally make it a zelda movie what it's gonna be about that yeah like it has to be its own solid story mm-hmm. but when we're looking at the the mechanics of how where narrative threads are in ocarina and where they aren't so to speak mm-hmm. the threads are with zelda or ganon right yeah. even ganondorf so oh here we go if you did a film about ganondorf training his army for seven years for the time where link is in hyper sleep or yeah, whatever time traveling yeah, yeah um that might be perceived as a spinoff piece, mm-hmm. you know, like, oh, that's what Ganon was doing those seven years while he was waiting. Because I don't think he was just sitting in that throne saying someday this kid's going to come in here someday. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, that might be. So if we're still experiencing 
Ocarina faithfully and truly. Mm-hmm. And what Link is doing is still accurate, but it's really about, because there are many moments in Ocarina where Sheik interjects. She, 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 she appears, Obi-Wan Kenobi's yeah. it just a little bit. Yeah, and, yeah. and it's really nice. If we could see Zelda have to figure out and navigate all of that, and maybe even mm-hmm. her choosing Sheik as a persona or all that, that could be interesting. But we also don't want to go too far off of the Ocarina feel. Right. Like we don't need it. One of the, mm, uh, okay, so let's do this. We've had a few people in our comments uh, over at another Zelda podcast say like maybe a, we even had a blog post about this a little bit where like maybe a game where we follow Zelda as Sheik could be a game. Certainly. I, I know people who would love that. I would argue that maybe since she has a narrative, mm-hmm. since she's not the blank av- avatar, perhaps film is the right medium for that story. See where yeah. I'm going with this? I, I am I am on board to tell the legend of Zelda with Zelda as the main character. Right. Uh, not not to slight Link. Link is still nope. super important. And I think Rick and Evie from Mummy is a great way to to present that idea right. of like, oh, we're not slighting Link. He's he's in this movie. And it's not wink he's wink. The hero. It's not wink wink where Zelda's putting her chic mask on and Link runs in the background. It's right. not that. No, like no, no, no. we are still Link's progress is still part of the story it's mm-hmm. it's critical her helping with it is interesting and critical too and i also just to try to back this up i don't know i mean fine you could put levels in there for chic to have to do stuff but honestly i think like if we're looking for narrative threads maybe that would be one of them that's the way to go i i, I i'm very excited about this and the the structural challenge and it's not like uh uh we're, we're doing something new here but to tell a a three main character story where you're giving more or less equal screen time to Ganon, which is much like Sauron building an army. And yeah. you have uh, if you looked at two towers and as an example of how you tell three completely different stories right. that all come together at the end, uh, getting Link and Zelda together, having her be the, the main character. Yeah. I, I, that sounds like a, a movie worth telling and not one that's like, we'll just play the game. Unfortunately, because it's the, quote unquote side character. It feels like a Netflix movie, not a major release. <laughs> I'm joking when I say that, but it, unfortunately a little bit. Well, that's a, there, there's a, an argument to be had there that that's not a bad thing. Yeah. Um, but right. uh, if the goal is to see this be a big summer tentpole movie, then, uh, then we'll just have to develop that further. And you may have an idea for that and I want to hear about it, <laughs> but first let's take a quick break here um, and hear an, uh, let's hear, let's hear an ad for what the hell, why not? Probably for, about for, another, for Zelda another Zelda podcast. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we'll be right back here uh, in a moment. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, cool. All right. Bye. Hi there, I'm David. And I'm Kate. And we're the hosts of another Zelda podcast. There are so many good podcasts out there, and some of them in particular concern the Legend of Zelda. <laughs> That's right, Kate. And we are another one of them. We That is actually the name of our show, Another yes. Zelda Podcast. And in our show in particular, we talk about some of our favorite dungeons, characters, boss battles. We have top 10 lists. Yeah, we do deep dives on game design and production aspects of the different Zelda games. And we talk about our own experiences. We do some review episodes, talk about our challenges, our struggles, and our victories. That's right. You know, really just almost anything that has to do with Zelda. We like to talk about it. A new episode comes out every other Friday and you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and YouTube. And you can also check out our episodes on our website, anotherzeldapodcast.com. That's right. All right, we will see you there. Okay, bye. All right, and we're back. Okay, so uh, where we were just leaving off, I'm really excited 
I, I honestly think if that was as far as we needed to go in terms of, of the, the kind of film that needed to be written, that's a great starting point to, to literally just say, uh, it's the, it's the, it's the best game. It's the one everyone knows the most, mm-hmm. uh, give us Ocarina of Time as a film, Ocarina of Time, Ocarina of Time yep. as a, as a film, uh, go. I'd say, okay, cool. We are going to tell this story from Zelda's perspective. Right. She's our main character. She's our star main character. And, and and to say that, I'm sorry to interrupt, but like the story will still be the story of Ocarina of Time. Yeah, We're I'd not st- going off the thread. No, no, no. We can't. No, we wouldn't. I would I would adapt the story as it is. But tell, you said Back to the Future 2 is a good, exam- good mm-hmm. uh, reference point. Um, There's and, a little bit of wink, wink in Back to the Future. We, we'd probably even dial that back a bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and Link would still very much be the. I think that would that would both excite fans as well as surprise them. Is if if we're making a Legend of Zelda movie, right. all the advertisements have Link on the poster, looking badass with his with the with the with the Master Sword, right? Ganon the villain hovering over him, and then they went and saw it and and were surprised to find oh. We're spending a lot more time with Zelda than I thought we were going to. Well, okay, that could go two ways. That could piss people off because of the SJW. Uh, you ruined Star Wars and Star Trek and Doctor Who and I Terminator. almost think, <laughs> but I think there'd be a studio would I like that. I almost think we sell it as Zelda's story, though. First of all, real quick, we're 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 approaching this from a mechanical screenwriting point of view right now. Right, like right. we're basically, or at least I did. I said, "Where's where is?" any or a narrative thread in Ocarina that isn't controlled by the player at all. Right. It becomes chic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zelda. I think people also care about her character. I think that that, that story of chic is very mysterious. Right. Now, maybe I just realized maybe we don't want to ruin that mystery, but I think we could maintain it. The thing is like on the poster, I think it's critical that Sheik is also on the poster. Oh, yes. Now, if it's Link yeah. standing there and Sheik with his back turned or her back turned or its back turned, their back turned to... Fair, finally got it right. Th- um, think of the first Force Awakens poster and the advertisements. Finn looked like the lightsaber-wielding hero of oh, the yeah. movie, and it ended up being Ray. I don't want to trick anybody. No, and, and I'm not planning to pull J.J. Abrams, I'm going to lie to the audience and not admit it, but I think up front, if you say, we're doing Legend of Zelda, here's Link in the green costume holding the sword, people will go, I want to see that movie. And as we lead into it, I yeah, I think you lean heavily into the marketing of, oh, what if it's, there's a bit more Zelda here. What if we- Sheik is in the foreground and Link is... It's wide shot link in the background of the poster. We don't have to go too much into poster design, but like, again, I'm a little worried about it because I think we, I don't want to trick anybody. I think it wants, I, we need it to be part of the promotion mm-hmm. that we're following the story of, of Zelda. We could say, mm-hmm. we don't have to say chic. Um, ugh, man, that could all backfire really bad. I, I think there's a crafty way to do it where we're not lying to people. We're not, we're not tricking people. Uh, to use a, a more recent example, I actually just referenced it a moment ago was uh, Terminator Dark Fates, Sarah Connor and uh, Mackenzie, um, Mackenzie Davis's right. character, uh, Grace. Yep. They are both main characters in this movie. Right. And as well as, um, I can't remember what the new- The John, one that no one can remember. The new John Connor. Right. <laughs> the three of them are the main characters of the film. Grace has a, a very clear storyline. Sarah has a much more fuzzy storyline. Hmm. And and then you have your new John Connor savior character. That is how I feel you could juggle Link and Maybe. Zelda- Whereas Zelda has the storyline, much like Grace has a lot of storyline. We're designing this almost from the outside in right now, which is a little dangerous because we're acting like a studio right now by accident well, a little okay. bit. Or maybe we're just trying to think like them. Yeah. yeah. Um, I would go so far as to say that I think the film would perform better 
if Ocarina of Time wasn't in the title. Oh yes, I agree. I agree. You know what I mean? Yes. Like it's I agree. we know we get it. We know it's part of the Ocarina of Time, I guess, universe or mm-hmm. canon. It, it, it would be, the fans are going to come see it as it is. We don't need to advertise that it's Ocarina of Time. But if that's the one they said adapt that, we'd say, we're going to let us go and do this and approaching it from Zelda's the main character, uh, uh, experiencing the film's arc through her arc. Uh, sorry, experiencing the film's journey through her perspective. And let's do this. Something that you and Jim do often is obviously you start breaking down the beats. We need, we need conflict. We need to know. Okay, let's do this. I know I have this other idea. I really want to bring it to the table here. Sure, sure. Um, I know I got really excited about it. I still am. I still maintain, but it's a tum- it's a completely different film that we've done this before. It is a so different category of film. Okay. Ooh. Okay. Um, <laughs> mm, now I'm curious. Continue though. Uh, we're um, still honing in on this but, Zelda perspective. Yeah. Movie. Let's posit this. Let's 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 let the marketing team deal with the marketing thing as sure, far sure. as this conversation is concerned, because that could be a whole other episode that would be interesting to have. But let's try to find if we if we said okay, cool, we're doing Ocarina of Time. We're the Main arc is going to be Zelda's story as Sheik. Mm-hmm. What is it? Because now we have, so Sheik pops in four or five times, usually like after a temple. Right. And uh, gives a little bit of information about what to do next. Gives a little bit of information about what had happened. And it's a little bit more than like the owls that are saying like, go to the woods mm-hmm. or whatever. Right. Do, do you get all that? <laughs> yes yeah, or no? Sheik says certain things like. I knew you had it in you. I didn't know if you had it in you, all that stuff. Um, I believe in you. There is, there are a few times, there are a few lines of dialogue in Ocarina of Time where Sheik speaks with Link not around mm-hmm. once or twice. It is the only time in Ocarina of Time where the character, where the camera, you could say, isn't on Link. It stays with like, her. Yeah. 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 You know, so like in a film, we, where, what perspective is the film being told from? Right. Mm-hmm. And we were just talking about, okay. So the Ocarina of Time's clearly and literally told from Link's perspective, True. but in a couple cut scenes, we never jump. I mean, with the exception of a character, with the exception to essentially cutting to B roll of a character telling Link a story, mm-hmm. we're never away from Link. Right. Do you see where I'm going with this? Like in when Ocarina? You see the flashbacks through yeah. the spirits and whatnot. Exactly. That's never happening without Link, with the exception of those first 10 seconds where Navi flies around when we're, wherein we are introduced to Link. Right. After that, we are always with Link, with the exception of maybe three or four times in the game where we're, we're with, where there's a end cap or maybe a pre moment to a, to a, to a scene where Sheik speaks to Link. Yes. But Link might have two or three pieces of dialogue to their self mm-hmm. after Link leaves the scene. Yes. Or well, Sheik the, left a little piece of dialogue. Did I say herself. Link? Yeah. Sheik. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Sheik. And that is the beginning of where we can go from. That is, the, there, Sheik has, Sheik expresses certain emotions and certain thoughts Well, I, in if, those moments. I, I, I would... Still approach so the the story structure from a linear point of have Ganon. She's uh, uh, Zelda is whisked away uh, t- to safety by I can't remember her name. She's got the red hair. Impa. The, Impa. Thank you. Yep. Uh, and tell that story. Let's 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 experience the okay. story linearly with her being saved by Impa. That's being, where it tra- being trained and becoming herself, and then uh, becoming Sheik and. Um, and then there's the wait. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. The, the introduction of link is her in the courtyard 
and Link coming in. I was going to say. Yeah. Right. Experience that That's from it. Zelda's perspective where this mysterious little boy. Consider if that, if you're watching this movie, if we structure the screenplay this way, mm-hmm. that the introduction of Link is introduced to the movie when Zelda meets him. Right. His appearance on screen is going to be so special right. to the audience to be like, like a confused person might be like, where's the green kid? Yeah. Where's the green kid? Oh, she's going to put that costume on later. And if we're 20 minutes, 30 minutes in the movie and suddenly he appears exactly as he did in, Ac- in Ocarina of Time. Or through the flowers. Through the flowers. And she's like, and it's, I, I'm getting a little goosebumps yeah. thinking about the music swelling. And like, that's the first time we could hear the music cue yep. of it like. would be Zelda's lullaby there. Yeah. And him coming out of the woods. I feel like that would be a moment of, of joy to to an audience of fans to be like and there he is i've been waiting this this is it this is his introduction into the film and i'm not i'm not not too worried about this yeah i I feel like that could be a very special moment if we're following zelda then link she says you got to go get the three stones Mm -hmm. and he runs off and does it she never sees him again as child zelda and child link right technically the next interface is impa and zelda escaping Ganondorf and on she horseback. Sees, she sees Link. Yep. So what's going on while Link's off getting the three stones, Ganondorf is basically Jafaring his way through <laughs> Hyrule Castle. <laughs> yeah. And and so be it. Now, is that interesting to the movie or not? Um, we, I don't, I'm not worried about the temples because I think we'll get some of those in when he's adult Link. Right, right. The, I don't know. I, I, a fun structure to play with here is to hand off the narrative. It's not something that's done very often in okay. film to, to literally hand off the narrative to to see her escape if we experience the first like half hour or so through Zelda's perspective and when she escapes hand it off to Link or what about this what if it starts with Zelda uh we get a little bit of prologue about her being worried about Ganondorf she speaks to that in the mm-hmm. in the little garden um she also mentions that she knew he, the boy would be coming Impa and her have conversations about that Impa kind of knows a little bit more there's yeah. a bit of a prophecy thing there yeah, a little yeah. bit Impa's a bit Obi-Wan Kenobi-esque a little bit. To, to her yeah yeah yeah, absolutely. And um, we could we could stay with Zelda. Maybe we not montage it, but maybe we quickly then follow Link to get the three stones. We split our story into two. Link's getting the stones and Zelda. This is the first time we're creating original content now. Mm-hmm. Zelda, the rise of Ganon in the castle, the yes. Jafarian of Ganon in the castle. Yeah, basically split it into three. So we're following Ganon. I don't even know if we have to follow Ganon. We could maybe follow Ganon still from Zelda's perspective. Oh, that's oh, we're enough. reinforcing Zelda's perspective there you go. passively now. Yeah. So we still follow. Oh, ooh, ooh. Okay. So the link, link getting the three first gems mm-hmm. need to be not a montage, but they need to be quick snippets. They need to be um, not scenes like uh, yeah we don't want to blow through we're it cutting because, to him right, right but we're staying with zelda mm-hmm. we're staying with zelda observing ganon ganondorf pardon me mm-hmm. whatever ganondorf is doing that is something that has to be created and maybe if we were gonna even though i really want to get to this other idea otherwise we, i think we'd keep going on this yeah um um and you know it's it's the it's the zelda has a scene where she's watching ganondorf do something bad then we cut to Link running through yeah. an aisle, grab a th- maybe it cuts a spider, and um, you know, um, grabs one gem. Mm-hmm. You know, and maybe just maybe sometimes that's emphasized with not standard shots of Link. It's close-ups of the feet or close-ups of a hand grab, and we still get our medium shots. An unfolding of the we're trying to that, yeah. You were trying to have it break away from a normal filmic space so that it f- it's not a montage, but it does feel it's the aside. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But we're still getting enough content that we're feeling like we're getting we're following him. Mm-hmm. He comes back. She Ganondorf has Jafar his way up to the top. 
he leaves. Zelda th- throws the ocarina, but we follow Zelda there. Yeah. Once, so we've like never truly off. been with Link. Right, right. But we're, gradi- oh, see, see, we're yeah. gradiating away from Link so that once once that happens, no, yeah, yeah, this is tough. Well, I think uh, to, to actually, we need to jump, let's jump ahead in the narrative here is, uh, this is a great setup. I think there's, we have a couple of threads we could explore from a writing perspective where it'd be like, mm, let's hone in on this narratively. The real I mean, question I think is, act one is Rise of Ganondorf in the castle. Yes, my, and you're getting right exactly my point. We have act one to that point. Act two is the, is the, what do we do exactly? How, is it, how do we end it is the question I ask. <gasps> yeah. Go ahead. Act two is Zelda is the seven years. Act two is Zelda becoming chic. Mm-hmm. Maybe she didn't even know she needed to be. It's, it's, it's the whole section of movie we should have gotten Rogue One. <laughs> um, and then act three is the payoff. Act three is the back to the future too. Yes. Okay. I see what you're saying there, but, uh, but the trick is still a, is a, is a satisfying conclusion of, well, Link still defeats the bad guy in the end. Is but that he it? needs Zelda to do it. Exactly. So it's, I, if, as long as we can narratively craft it so that people feel satisfied in sticking with Zelda the whole time, but she technically doesn't get the win. You know what I mean? She'll Link, get it. Link still gets the, gets the final blow. But Zelda has to paralyze Ganon with in order uh, to, a, light, a light arrow. So they have to team up in order to. You're right. Okay. Oh, no, wait. She throws Link the she, sword. Yeah. Link, Link gets the. You're playing Link. So he gets the final blow. And from a. That might be the one spot where it's like, we're going to have to rewrite history here that Zelda has purpose to this finale since we followed her through this whole film. It'd be very. For a, for a non fan. Oh, no. To, I just. To, to stick with your main character the whole way. I just realized way. something. When you get to the castle as Link at the end, Zelda is frozen in a flipping gem. Exactly. We don't want to stick her in a uh, in a glass uh, right. uh, like Jafar does to J- okay. Jasmine. <sighs> Boy, this is tough. Okay, then we have to. We're going to get off this in a second. I'm going to I'm going to pull the anchor out here from this thing. We aren't retelling Ocarina from Sheik's perspective. We're just telling Sheik's story. So what our act two yes. was, we just tell Sheik's story. Yes. Yes, I agree. Um, we I, Maybe it starts with her throwing the ocarina to him. Maybe we never even see Lincoln that way. I don't know. The the, the real tough aspect of that is as closely as we can stick to it, she doesn't, she, if she's going to be our main character, we have to rewrite the ending so that she helps win. I'm well. Still, I, I, I think her and Link teaming up to defeat Ganon would be more fulfilling for a non-fan as well as the fans. Because the fans might be, uh, there might yeah. be a f- segment of Star Wars fans. Sorry, <clears throat> there might be a segment of fans that mm-hmm. are mad that a girl has so has taken over the franchise. Mm. But I say she's the title character, and it would be risking turning Link into "Excuse me, Princess" if we if it was done wrong. Right. So to prevent risking that, like to to save ourselves a, the the risk. I'm oh, sorry, I'm not saying that correctly. We're not going to focus on Link. We're not going to give him too much of a voice. Obviously, he speaks, and we will cast him by focusing on her. But the trick is now ending this fulfilling enough. I would love it if Link was actually a quiet person, though. Oh, very. If he actually didn't want to speak too much, I'm I'm very okay with that. If he's just uh, there's almost um, Newt Scamander esque, he'd be very Hufflepuff. Yeah. Yes. He's not the bravado of of a. T- 
typical sword wielding hero. I agree. Um, as much as we used Rick and Evie from the mummy as an example for, he's not Rick O'Connell shooting yeah, off one liners. Character wise. He's this very quiet protagonist. Uh, because it's in canon in Breath of the Wild, at least in a few others where some characters will write in their diaries about like, oh, he's a quiet boy. He's, yeah. you know. I think there's, that's, that is a, uh, another special little thing to add to here to be like, well, I don't know about the such and such casting of, yeah. of Link, but, and then see the movie and like, wow, he had like five lines of dialogue. Yeah. So top of act two, we need a monologue from Link. I'm just joking. Because <laughs> I mean, we got to let people know what's he, going on. He's going to vlog. It's um, all right. Let's, I'm, I'm still a little nervous about this. I don't know how totally well, to fix it. Let's, 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 let's do this. I, 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 th- I think there's an idea here that, that would be Really, we could sit here and keep exploring it. Uh, I, I think we could come around to a, a film that satisfies the fans, that satisfies the the non-fans. Could you do a double release? What, to do two films? Or you? Oh. Listen, okay. listen. You Pokemon it. And I mean this. You can't be upset with, with Pokemon Red. Or, but, you know, okay. So we, we do a double release. It's one production, mm-hmm. two films. Mm-hmm. Maybe they even come out at the same time. Maybe they literally come out on the same day. Oh my gosh. Let's just get weird here because I know we're going to move on. And one is Link's point of view. Link's. So we get our, we get Ocarina retold mm-hmm. and one is Zelda. Oh man. I, and it's called, you know, chic or something. I don't know. You know what I mean? What if you, could you do that? Legend of Zelda. It's one production. So production is fine. It's right. just a four hour You're production. filming two films simultaneously yeah. with the intent of releasing them both. No studio would release them on the same day because they would cannibalize, which is stupid. Um, yeah. The, uh, the um, sorry, what's Peanut Gallery? They did that on Netflix with two movies back to back. Two movies back to back on Netflix. And that, yeah, I think I remember that happening. Um, and so maybe on a Netflix release that would work. And honestly, maybe this wouldn't be a, a, a theater release anyway. Or you would do it. Um, and I mean, I don't know if, if, let me put it this way. If there were two, okay, let's just say, it'll, let's say it'll work. Yeah. Marketing is such where it's two films. It's, uh, I don't know what the titles are. Maybe there's subtitles that gets a little video gaming, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but that's how we do it. We do Sheik's story mm-hmm. where we, that's the, not the artsy version, but then we also get Ocarina of Time. People can't be too upset about Ocarina of Time, although I don't want it. I don't want to do it because it's an insurance policy. I want to do it because it, they actually complement each other. It, it would be a interesting challenge to, to craft that, to market it, to, to, when Kill Bill Volume One and Volume Two came out, Tarantino wanted them to release within a week of each other, yeah. and the studio was like, "We're not going to do that. It'll cannibalize," which is incorrect because if you release uh, Infinity War and you have Endgame out two months later, you better believe people are going to watch Infinity War twice right. just to see, you know, I agree. Endgame. I I get it. It made billions of dollars. What the hell do Maybe I? Maybe a week after a week is a little tight because I feel like people might have a personal cache of movie watching of like one or two a month. The average viewer, yeah, they're yeah, going to go yeah. to the theater maybe <clears throat> once a month, maybe, you know? Right. But if you do it all the same day and you make it part of the marketing, maybe people buy two tickets. You could do group tickets. I yeah. mean, they're, they're selling Pokemon Shield and Sword right now together. I know it's a different medium, but you're, anyway. You're, you're, you're asking, um, oh, um, you're asking uh, a lot of the marketing department to get um, two movies out at the exact same time. Um, but I, I think that's an interesting idea. Now you've had two, we're asking two questions of our listeners. One is a an Ocarina of Time from Zelda's perspective, a movie that interests you. Would that satisfy you as a fan? Two, what do you think about a film that is simultaneously released with another film that's the exact same film 
from two different or exact same story, right? But, but two different versions of it. And as as I got the peanut gallery mentioned uh, just a few minutes ago, Candace said uh, that one on Netflix happened, um, but that was in a, that was also not but and that was an original storyline that people weren't familiar with. Right. The one thing that I think might work here, and I am trying to sell it, obviously, is that. On the McDonald's cups, on the posters, we got boom ocarina right there. We've got Link. We've got Link. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that'll be fun to do. Right. Um, But then we also get to expand that because why are we, why is it in the medium? Why is it in the medium? We're already telling a story already told. Okay, fine. Well, we're going to do it here, but we'll also have this other narrative that really could be a movie, should be a movie. And you can buy tickets that are uh, for, for both. You can buy a double feature. You sell it as a double feature. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Um, me, yes. What's that's, up? It's an, ex, that's an exciting idea because it would satisfy, we're just straight up adapting Ocarina of Time for one then, of them, but for one of them, and then offering up a completely second perspective, which would allow for some freedom in terms of new canon to this specific story. Right. Uh, I'm interested in an idea like that. And I think if we came to the studio and said, we, we satisfied your need, we have a Zelda movie and we have a second one. Right. Yeah, that they might they might be like, oh, well, we didn't ask for two, but we're happy to have it. I, I think, think there's, there's yeah, something from, that- from a production point of view, you could do all the sh- shared assets, shared sets. I mean, mm-hmm. most of it's going to be green screen anyway, but you've got shared assets. Mm-hmm. So you're not spending more money there. Um, I would not make it all green screen, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, honestly, some of the green like the Mandalorian stuff's looking pretty good. And that's essentially Sin City. They're it's just looking realistic these They're days. They're doing a great job. They're doing a very good job with <laughs> that green screening it, for the most part from what I'm seeing. Well, I, I would say this. I I think this right here, if the, if we were just to stop right here and say this is the movies movies we need to craft, one, I'm really excited by the idea of telling Zelda's story, Sheik's story, uh, and if that was the only one we did, to craft it where we're adapting the Link's story and hers, I think there's something there. You did have a third idea. Yeah, okay, let's do it. And I, I want to, I don't want to- This episode going to get too long? Uh, let's go for it. I'm, I'm happy to talk for four hours. I don't know if people want to listen to us to talk for four okay, hours. no problem. So I want to, I yeah. want to set that idea aside. I think there's something there. I, f- I feel like there would be a lot of honor to the fans, a lot of honor to the source material being done. And I think it would be, I think people would accept it. I think the, even if it was just the Zelda's story, it, we'd be challenging some of the fans who would, who would take umbrage with us focusing not on link but i think if if it was done crafted well enough written well enough paying respect to the source material that in the long run this could be a successful film i worry that it would fall into world of warcraft territory which was so perfect for the fans and nobody else liked it right um so there's there is that area that worries me but you have another idea and, I'm, and you said it's a completely different film and in, and just on that note though maybe the zelda maybe the zelda's perspective one can be the one that's not for the fans i guess in a way right yeah yeah that's the one and it and it oddly is for the fans with some of the references right but I, we're but we're telling a full real story we we normally on your show here this is the point where we'd break down uh zelda's call to action mm-hmm. zelda's find, rise find the beats and yeah whatnot. we are going to skip over that unfortunately because i do want to well, other well we're skipping over it because it is ocarina time we have our roadmap we well i mean the zelda to, one though the chic version true but like we, we would have to be creating wh- why she became chic what how that was introduced to her certainly how we, she uses oh, right, right. chic we we would be developing whoa we would be developing the canon for that yeah. i understand that yeah but, right uh, we we have the roadmap pretty clearly set out for us if we are adapting ocarina mm-hmm. time so I think in that chic movie though, 
link even existing, that seven-year gap, that's mm-hmm. third act no matter what. Yes. Okay. So there it is there. All right. I'm going to pitch an opening scene. I'm mm-hmm. making this up a little bit shot for shot as I go. And it, I'm going to go like, ha-ha. Uh-huh. And you might be like, what? Okay. But let's uh-huh. try. I'm getting comfortable. I'm putting my cigar in my mouth. All right. What do you got, kid? So this did occur to me about 10 minutes into recording this episode. And I've been hanging on to it. And I think I've been developing it. I don't want to oversell it, but okay. <laughs> If we're not doing Ocarina of Time, we're not doing Chic, we're not mm-hmm. create, doing a Spirits Within, we're right. not creating a whole new story. Because honestly, that's probably what would happen. They go, oh, just put one that fits in the canon. We got nothing to lose. Right. But then nobody gets what they want. Mm-hmm. We get stuff that looks like Zelda, but it isn't Zelda. Right, right. What if, okay. <laughs> He's sweating over here, folks. He's so nervous. Opening shot. Mm-hmm. Beautiful green forest. Camera, camera's coming down. Maybe we even get some nature shots. But it's it's a magical, you know, good lighting, right? Mm-hmm. We come down, we come down. We're seeing some grass. And we see what appears to be a bit of a cave. Mm-hmm. Right? Cave comes down. There's some chirping. I don't see any creatures yet. Maybe a bird flies by. I don't know. I don't want to draw this out too much. Maybe, maybe we actually already get the title card. Honestly, maybe we go front end. Just a fade in, fade out. Yeah, just a come in title card. Okay. Okay. All right. Fades out. And all of a sudden, um, some bats come flying out of the cave. Not too many. Not horrific. Just maybe even only two or three, right? Two or three come flying out. And a 12-year-old Japanese boy runs out of the cave. Okay. He has paper in hand. He has a marker. He's terrified. He sits down real quick. He marks an X on his map. He has a he has a lake drawn on the map. He has a couple other things drawn on the map. And he runs off. Maybe that's where the title card happens, actually. He runs off. Title card. The camera doesn't pull down to the camera goes from trees to cave. Mm-hmm. Camera pulls back and re and reveals 1950s Kyoto. just saw the birth of the legend of zelda we just witnessed the moment that miyamoto as a kid he, he loved he tells all these stories about loving to adventure yeah. through the wilderness and how he literally went into caves and would explore them and write down and that's what gave him the direct inspiration to create the legend of zelda okay so are you suggesting a biopic i'm not talking biopic that's what i'm mm, like okay I, I don't personally love biopics mm-hmm. Um, and that's where I'm a little worried about this. I don't want it to become a biopic. Have you seen Saving Mr. Banks? No, I'm familiar with it. I okay. watched some YouTube videos so, about it. That's fine. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it is the story of the creation of Mary Poppins. Yes, right. Uh, the film and the original book. Right. And for a good portion of the movie, <clears throat> you're getting these flashbacks to uh, Travers' life. Uh, the the uh, the woman who wrote yeah and there's not a clear idea of what how that connects to Walt Disney creating the film and 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 these flashbacks are at a circus and there's something it's a child's perspective of life and then slowly there's an unraveling of oh I'm this was what inspired her to write Mary Poppins so we don't see Mary Poppins in the movie okay what if we do go biopic I was where I was gonna go with this was Maybe it's maybe it's too clever or too cheeky. What I original thought was that's our reveal. That's the scene that popped into my head mm-hmm. ten minutes into the episode. You know, it feels like it's Zelda, but okay, then reveal. 
I was going to say, let's go back and forth between the story of Link in the original The Legend of Zelda and parallel it to Miyamoto developing the game and going through his adventures. And I think that's, that is, that is where I'm going with this too. Yeah. In that you see, uh, you see his, uh, um, like Shakespeare in love in a fashion where it's like, Oh, this is what inspired this in the game. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Uh, there's a great, but the uh, original one, not a Karina. N- yeah. Nothing the, else. Like the original one where they're figuring out even how computer code works sometimes. Oh, okay. I, that it does sound very biopicy, but with with a bit of a spin on seeing some more fantastical elements of it. Why does this sound familiar? This sounds like a biopic that. Oh, uh, Rocket Man. Uh, I've seen it. Uh, the the um, uh, Elton John biopic yeah. has a lot of very fantastical musical numbers, where it's it's the story of of how he became the Elton John we know. Oh, right. Seen through musical montage and musical numbers that are a heightened reality. So to have him developing the game but as he's like okay well i'm thinking about this and he's walking through the woods and the woods slowly turn into hyrule and he sees a dog barking and as it runs past him it turns into a yeah whatever creature yeah this is interesting that he keeps kind of weaving in and out of reality and the the fantasy element of because what i don't want is a bunch of gray buildings and guys at desks writing code on paper yeah find finding a way to to tell the story of the legend of Zelda, the legend of the legend of Zelda and almost a historical fantasy. <laughs> so the original name of when they were developing the legend of Zelda, it was called the Hyrule fantasy. That's the name of the movie. Maybe that is the name of the movie right there. The Hyrule fantasy is an amazing title that would connect to this sort of narrative uh-huh. of telling the story of, of his life story in the creation the best biopics are slice of life biopics. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see the full life story of Freddie Mercury. I don't yeah. want to see the full life story of of uh, of um, uh, uh, Johnny Cash. Those are boring. It's the same thing every time. But when you have something like My Week with Marilyn, which is an Alfred Hitch, uh, I'm not familiar. It's yet. a Marilyn Monroe biopic that's just about a week of her life. Oh, interesting. Through the perspective of 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 a boy of a man she met, had a, a relationship with, and left, like. A, a slice of life biopic as opposed to the whole grand scheme of someone's life is much more fascinating to me. I like this. My original thought was, okay, we'll have to pinpoint moments in the narrative of the first Zelda mm-hmm. that would parallel or reflect possible highlights in Miyamoto's uh, life or the, or the team creating it or whatever. Mm-hmm. But he was pretty, he was kind of the lead in that first one. Well, we're, um, we're, we're fictionalizing the reality of it. The reason I don't love biopics yeah. is because they're not a documentary. Even documentaries can be manipulative. Yeah. They're not a documentary. They're not the truth. And they're also not fake. It's, it's and, too much. Uh, it's so conflicting I actually, information. I kind of actually find myself disliking biopics most of the time. I, I don't dislike biopics, but I am tired of the same thing. Like musical biopics are the same freaking movie every time. Yeah, It's always like, okay, little, little talent. Rise to fame, yeah. drug addiction, come back around. The Danny Boyle, um, Aaron Sorkin, Steve Jobs biopic. Yeah, which I haven't seen, but I'm familiar. Is three days yep. in his life from three different decades on the launch of three different products done in real time. Oh, The cool. three moments of his life like, yeah. are an, uh, an hour, acts, 45 minutes of his life from that moment in his time. And it's a very unique way to tell a life story. So I remember Aaron Sorkin, Sorkin talking about that in an interview and he was kind of like, he had just done the Facebook movie. Oh, well, that's another example. Like I remember when the Facebook movie was announced. Social network, yeah. Yeah. 
well, it was announced as the Facebook movie. Yeah, everyone's like, what? Yeah, we're like, how? Shut we, up. I think we were expecting like the emoji movie. Oh, God, we were yeah, expecting yeah, something yeah. horrible. Yeah. Um, and then said, instead, it was like, well, how about it's the making of Facebook? Okay. Mm-hmm. And then we call it a social network. No, uh, we're dancing around that with Hyrule <laughs> Fantasy. I got to be honest. But the thing about a biopic that I don't like is that, again, like it's not reality and it's not fake. But it's kind of it. It's a little manipulative in that it often presents as reality, right? And so it's an interpretation of that reality, and I, it, I don't love that. Well, that's why I'd say amp up the fantasy. Yeah, I was going to say this idea of maybe you know I don't we don't need Miyamoto hallucinating, mm-hmm. but maybe he has a bit. It's in the imagination thing, and that's how we still get our link and our Hyrule and our characters. And we still get the literal computer generated graphics of these characters Mm -hmm. represented. Maybe it's moments of inspiration. Maybe there's full, you know, we could have a moment in the top, in the end of the second act where they finally get some of the code working. And um, that's the first time they really boot up like the field. There's a moment in his narrative. I know this from our episode from season one where they like, decided to make an overworld originally yeah. it was just dungeons uh, they decided to make an overworld and they got it working and they got these trees working you could easily come to life. cut into cut into a, a few minutes of full in mm-hmm. there it full in hyrule with with whatever the computer graphics are or whatever i'm not saying computer animated movie i don't know if a human plays link or not go to the point of like similar to something like birdman uh, did you see Birdman? I did. I love yeah. it. Where when he really starts tripping and, yeah. and fantasizing that it becomes the full uh, TC, I believe he's tripping the whole movie because the whole <laughs> thing is just a Jacob's Ladder experience before uh, his death. Uh, all right. I, I apologize. With the exception of like two scenes in Birdman, I really, really liked Birdman. <laughs> but the idea of of the life story, yeah, told very traditionally drama, uh, seeing the the excitement of the eight bit video game coming to life and then just going into the eight bit and, and seeing it, how he imagines it. Like when, when like um, uh, we remember certain things from our childhood as being this incredible, beautiful moments of, Oh, and the, remember the first time I've played star Fox, that ship was like flying an X wing. And you yeah. look at it now and it's like three triangles and yeah, you're like at 15 frames a second. Huh? But <laughs> We imagine a certain way. So like go yeah. into overworld as this eight bit and all of a sudden the trees start growing. And yes. I think that'd be a really fascinating uh, visual effects movie. To, to I think that's the route you go with yeah. it. Yeah. Now, the one thing that's very clear about this, one of the things that we didn't get from our studio, and mm-hmm. I think we can, I know we're kind of getting towards the end here. One of the things we didn't get from our studio was demographic. Oh, certainly. Um, and that's why I immediately said, well, then we're writing for the fans. Um, if right. Well, okay. So who are, the Zelda fans. This is a game. I'm going to actually pitch. I'm going to sell this a little bit to you. Link, you know, we spoke about Mario and Link as being mythic characters and iconic characters in our Zelda episode, mm-hmm. or another Zelda podcast episode. And my nieces right now have little wristbands with Link on it. You know what I yeah, mean? They yeah. have posters and stuff of like Zelda. So to some degree, they're a demographic. They're mm-hmm. a demographic. My seven-year-old niece is she can play breath of the wild but she hasn't even gotten to a single beast or anything she's just kind of walking around looking around having her own personal adventure i think that's beautiful and special Mm -hmm. but if you put her in front of ocarina right now seven's still on the edge you know maybe there's some really talented seven-year-olds out there but for the most part it's like a 10 and up kind of thing yeah yeah all right um so what is the demographic it's if it's for the fans zelda has been around for 30 years Right. So maybe my math was wrong when I said 1950. Oh no, because he was, he would have been a kid back then. Yeah. Right. Right. But maybe they start developing it in the seventies. Um, 
Well, a, a biopic's definitely not meant for children. Like right. that's not going to lose to a young. We lose a whole. This is these are not brain. going on banners in Target. No, no. If 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 we're telling the biopic story, that is that is a, an attempt at a prestige film uh, that is similar to the Facebook, uh, the social network, where it's like I have the answer. Yeah. We release the Hyrule Fantasy on the same day as Ocarina of Time. I'm joking. Yeah, we're <laughs> it's making, a horrible idea. We're making three movies here. No, what I was going to say is like, yeah, we do exactly Ocarina for the kids and we do that one for the all. I'm very much joking. That's a horrible yeah. idea. But yeah, I think I would prefer if we weren't given the demo or if we the demo was whatever the maximum is, I would argue is what I'm trying to say that Zelda fans mm-hmm. are at, I will tell you the truth. When we do our demographic for marketing for another Zelda podcast, we actually go like 20 to 40. Okay. 20 to 45 is our general age range. We don't hit the 10 year olds with our marketing for another Zelda podcast because we're not the right. There's another Zelda podcast. We're all, a lot of it's 90, 80%, uh, 90% of the Zelda library is retro. Yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's so like, except for the new one. to millennials and uh, um, Gen X and Zennials um, yeah. in there. Uh, probably Zennials most of all. I mean, I have. 20 year olds that I know that, I mean, they like breath of the wild and they're totally into it, but I don't think they'd want to listen to another Zelda podcast necessarily. And I don't think that would be the audience to go see a biopic about, uh, right. about the creation of. So of if we can get approval, if we can try to get something where that it can be the older demo, mm-hmm. I like where that's going. Now, unfortunately we're at the end of this episode. We won't be able to develop that further. Yeah. I, 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 I think we should, we should wrap up here. Um, uh, cause we will, we, we could and would talk for another two hours about this, about just, movie making in general. Yeah. I, I think we've come up with two vastly different movies to, to present to a studio. So I'm actually going to present this to the listeners themselves. Yeah. The, the one we developed most of all was this, was this pretty traditional fantasy adventure, sword swinging magic, Zelda link Ganon. That's probably the yeah. movie that would do best. We unanimously probably, decided not to create a new story. Yes. I, I, if we were tasked to to do something in the realm of Superman, then I would strip it down as far as I could to say X, Y, Z. This is Link, Zelda, Ganon's story. Triforce, the sword, boomerang in there. But I would hate to go to uh, trying to marry ourselves to adapt something so closely and incorrectly because we don't know what we're doing that we get something like The Last Airbender, which is an right. awful adaptation of I a agree. beloved franchise. So I think the... Going with Ocarina, finding a new way to present it that's worthy of being on the big screen. Uh, we we did find some fun there. Mm-hmm. The idea of telling a a biopic with fantasy elements uh, and trying to appeal to someone who doesn't traditionally like biopics, you, I'm pointing towards you, right? Would be would be an interesting challenge. And in the realm of the way biopics have been turning, because we're not getting Walk the Line and. Uh, uh, Ray anymore because right. we don't, no one wants it. But I know Bohemian Rhapsody got a lot of praise, but it was such a traditional movie. It was, there was nothing new or exciting in, in the way of telling a biopic. Uh, Saving Mr. Banks was an, it was a really great film. Really? Yeah. It's one of, I love that. When that movie came out, I'm like, there's no need to make a new Mary Poppins. This is what I wanted. I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. It's, the it's, general tone that I've ingested, maybe I've been ingesting the wrong uh, <laughs> media, but is that it was essentially a way to have Disney because Disney was going to get the rights to Mary Poppins again after 20 years or 30 years or whatever. It was, right. They want to do Mary Poppins returns, but they didn't want people to feel like they were stealing. So they made a movie about how nasty the Mary Poppins creator was mm. so that we could sympathize for Disney. So that it would be OK to make Mary Poppins. Am I wrong? Y- yes. 
I'm fine with me being wrong. From a cynical point of view, yes, it does paint Walt as like Uncle Walt and he's here to do his thing. But uh, Emma Thompson did such an incredible job portraying Travers and and so well and explaining her her life story it's it's her biopic yeah it's not about Walt Disney he's a very lovely version of Walt I will say cynically yeah. she's not alive anymore and Disney the Disney company made that film it's impossible to not have a certain oh it, blazing there's definitely a Disneyfication of what's happening yeah but it's not everything's not coming up roses on there there's still the the reality of the matter it's like you said it's not exactly real. Right. Um, but it's in the presentation of a fantastical way of telling a biopic. I look to that and go, um, a Miyamoto movie oh. that, that that fantasizes the story. Regardless of the message of saving Mr. Banks, mm-hmm. the execution is what you're impressed yes, with. Yes, exactly. That's yeah. cool. So I, I would say telling a life story with fantastical elements, which I know there's a movie that did that and it's completely going to hit me like an hour. Yeah. I mean, it's, I don't think it's a totally new thing. You'd have to maybe make it feel new with the aesthetic. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think we, I don't really we wouldn't need, we wouldn't, it wouldn't be dream sequences. No, no. We would stay true. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Anyways, anyways, I know. Um, yeah. So that's the two. Oh, so you're about to give it to the fans actually. Cause we yeah, almost, yeah, we I, almost I, kicked I, this thing into gear again. I, I would ask that. Uh, I would, I would just curious if, if we, we stepped into the pond of, of interest for anybody here. I know that there have been some make a Zelda movie. And I think the request for that is the original, the, what we presented up front, just the, yeah, yeah we're going to do it. It's going to be swords, going to be magic. And it's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. And maybe we, it's the side story of Sheik. of maybe it's the side story of, of Ocarina. Um, but I am curious, this, this biopic I angle is a, is a really fun idea that I, that I would have, I think would be a, a much more prestige film. I don't think it would be a blockbuster by any means. I want to offer one thing about this, this biopic ish mm-hmm. thing we're building. Mm-hmm. Um, though I think one thing that could set it apart is that there really weren't while they were developing that first game mm-hmm. and Miyamoto in general, at least, at least it's certainly his perception and he's been in hundreds of thousands of interviews and he certainly seems to have a certain positive disposition, if I may. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not a lot of conflict for them to overcome. And I think that's okay. It's really a story of, it's a story of adventure. Oh my God, it's a story of adventure because it's a story of discovery. But what they're discovering is what they can do with the chips. What they're right. discovering is what they can build with the new thing. They use. There's not a lot of times we're like, oh no, the factory burnt down. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, how are we going to get through? Inherent drama. Yeah, there's not, there wasn't really people disagreeing with each other too much. And I think that that's okay. Yeah. I think we can celebrate that the same way with adventure. It's you're, you're going to the next place, going to the next place. I don't think it needs to be a biopic with, dare I say it, much drama. I think it can be a biopic of celebration, honestly. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. I th- and I think there's a place for that in, in uh, movies. I think that there's, there is a, a, a feel good, feel good films. They don't make those very often. So to look at something like, uh, uh, won't you be my neighbor? Uh, and um, yeah. uh, the Mr. Rogers. Uh, and film. not bubblegum. I don't want it to be bubblegum. No, 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 no. But, but just like sweet. Uh, look at something like yesterday to reference Danny Boyle again, which is mm. a a, fan, a fantasy film where the Beatles don't. Yeah, they exist. kind of go into weird space. Yeah. Oh, yesterday. Yeah. I'm sorry. You, maybe you were thinking of uh, the one that Tamor did. Uh, the Fall. No. no. Oh, it wasn't a biopic. Okay. It was the Beatles one that Julie oh, Tamor did, where yeah. it got fantasy. Oh no. Yeah, um, um, uh, 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 across the universe. Yeah. No, no, no. I was, I'm talking yesterday, but we got to wrap this up. We got to wrap this up. Let's wrap it up here. I'm, I, I would love to know if we, we hit 
even accord with any of you. So obviously you can totally, you know, hit up our comments section and whatnot, but let's, let's, let's David, thank you for being on the show. My pleasure. I would love for you to plug, plug away to the listeners. Where can people find you? Well, Tell, call to action. If uh, they are absolutely more than welcome to find our podcast, Another Zelda Podcast, uh, by going to anotherzeldapodcast.com. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Another Zelda Pod. And uh, Twitter, I think, is actually another, or Instagram's Another Zelda Podcast. You can find us on Facebook and YouTube and iTunes and Google Play by searching Another Zelda Podcast. You're everywhere. Yep. We're in, we're in mostly the same places as Studio Demands <laughs> it. Gee, what a coincidence. I know. So weird. Um, and if, if people are so inclined, they can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Raptor Paint. Um, if you're a Zelda podcast listener and you've come over to listen to this episode, uh, you're welcome to tweet us at another Zelda pod, but, but, but also please at studio, is it, it's at, it gets weird with studio demands. There's like an SDI in there. Maybe, you know, you have it in your, th- you, you can, you can hit me up specifically at, you can go to studio to submit your demand. You can, uh, uh, hit me up at, on Twitter and Instagram at TC's big head. Um, when, when you make your demand, whether you do it on the, on the site or through Twitter, um, please feel free to name your studio so we can have some fun with that. Um, uh, subscribe to us on, in, on iTunes and uh, a little review goes a long way. Even if you want to tell us we suck. TC, <laughs> I'll say it. So you don't have to Re- reviews on iTunes are like the main algorithm thing. So if people enjoy this show and this episode or anything like that, if they're inclined to leave a review, it's so helpful because it literally changes if this show shows up in other like Oh, similar shows you might like. And so That's the we, big thing it changes. We would love if if uh, your the listeners came over from your show and, and liked what they heard. Please look back at our our back library with mm-hmm. some wonderful art by uh, Dave and my cartoon selves. Oh yeah, yep. yeah. You drew the faces, That's and then right. I just put them on posters <laughs> each week. That's a lot of fun. Um, and a huge shout out to Six Five Media to you for giving us this platform. And um, I, yes, go check out another Zelda podcast. Definitely go check out Top uh, Top Hat, Top Balloon, Hat show. Balloon Show. They're working on a new show, by the way. Ah, so exciting! Um, new content coming in 2020, which we're which I'm very excited to. Oh, you have one more episode after this. You have your finale yes, next, I think. Yes, sir. The next episode of this will be the finale for Woo-hoo. season one. But Six Five Media has some wonderful new content coming in 2020 this that I'm, true. We are I'm excited to uh, to see come to life. So we're, we're developing two or three new shows right now yeah. to join the family. I can't wait. And you guys, I think your season two comes out in right now. It's going to come out in February. Yes. I think. Yeah. yeah. To, to date this episode, uh, we have one more. We have the finale coming next week, which we're Jim and I have some fun to be had there. Mm. Uh, and we have a, I'll, we have some big ideas for season two. We're looking forward to, but, but thank you for being on the show. This was, I love doing your show. I'm, I hope you had a good time doing this. I did. Yeah, I did. I wanted to talk for five more hours and this is great. <laughs> this, thank you that's so much. the problem. Jim and I often come across just yeah. like, because we'll stop recording and we'll keep talking. Keep talking. Uh, but as far for, as you guys making this show, I want to say thank you personally for you guys making such content that I could be so proud of to even just be a part of distributing. You're very, very welcome. We 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 have a ball doing it. So I'm liking it. Uh, um, so thank you for putting this together. Thank you for listening. Thank you for everyone who comments and likes and tweets and shares and and does reviews. Uh, but that's it for this episode. We'll be back again with another challenge to improve the world of cinema. I'm TC, and I'm David Geisler, and. And Candace is here too. (laughs) That's the end of the show.